Thank you for listening in to this week's sermon from Restoration Church Bryan. To learn more about Restoration, you can find us online at restorationbryan.com. We are so grateful for all those who are able to listen online, and we pray the message encourages you and challenges you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you are not already connected to a local church, we would love to invite you to join us for worship. If you are listening from another city, we pray that this message is a great supplement to your walk with Christ, and our hope is that you would have a gospel-centered local church that you call home. Thanks again for listening. If you got your Bibles, hopefully you're there. Uh, Acts chapter 10, we're going to pick it up in 17 and uh, roll through verse 33 this morning. This, this is really, uh, we're, we're doing uh, uh, Peter and Cornelius uh, part 1, 2, 3, and 4. So I think we're in part 3 today. Uh, so, so we're going to dive into the text in, in, in a moment. Uh, I, 20 years ago, uh, I went uh, with a team on a, on a uh, trip, on a mission trip to Romania. And we got a chance to go into a lot of the rural villages in, in Romania uh, with my childhood church. And I think we've got a couple of pictures. Uh, show the first picture. So there, there's, uh, there's me uh, with, with some of our Romanian uh, interpreters, uh, with, with a, a, a few of the kids from the village. Uh, and then I think we got one more, one more picture. Uh, so there is the Romanian church where we worship. Uh, also, my, my pastor at the time sprung on me, uh, I think it was Thursday before that Sunday, hey, I want you to preach this Sunday. So the first sermon I ever preached uh, as a terrified college student uh, was, was right there uh, 20 years ago in, in Romania. So uh, while our optometry team and our dental team and our VBS team did their thing. I was part of an evangelism team that just uh, basically walked around the villages sharing the gospel. And, and you, you, can, you can take these, this down. Uh, so, so we would, we communicated through an interpreter, through a translator. So we had, we had a language barrier. We had, we had a cultural barrier. We had a, a socioeconomic barrier. Most of, the, most of the, the, the folks that we visited in their tiny little homes, they, their backyards, uh, they, they were growing their own food in their backyard. But, but ultimately, listen, we were, we were there in Romania for one reason, uh, not to make not to make Romanian people American, not to, not to show them the way of, of prosperity and health, but to connect them to Jesus. Amen? We were there to connect them to Jesus because we believe that the gospel of Jesus was good news for all people, and that included Romanian people. So this morning, as we continue to, to unpack uh, the story of, of Cornelius in Acts 10, we, we see Peter really begin to connect all, all the dots. And ultimately, we see Cornelius being connected to Christ. And let me just say this. Scripture reveals that our, our, our hearts are hardwired for eternity. Like your, your heart is hardwired for eternity. You're, you are hardwired for connection with a, with a triune God that exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 1 Timothy 2.5 says that there is one mediator between God and man. It says it's Jesus Christ. 
And so here's, here's sort of the big thought this morning. Your, your mission in life is to stay connected to Christ and also to connect others to Christ. So, so whatever, whatever podcast you've been listening to, uh, h- however uh, you've been counseled, whatever you've been reading, uh, whatever ideology lately has, has maybe suited your fancy, hear this, if you, are, if you are not connecting others to Jesus, you are not living inside the framework of God's mission and God's will for your life. Let me say that again. I don't know if y'all are with me. Y'all with me this morning? If, if, you are, if you are not connecting others to Jesus, listen, you, you are not living inside the, the framework of God's mission and God's will for your life. Now, the, the second part of this, listen, and we've already been, the text of Acts 10 and really even before has been setting this up. The other part of this is, listen, we, we can, you can play you can play church and be connected with people who look like you, uh, who talk like you, who think like you, who are in the same income bracket as you, same culture, uh, same ethnicity, or, or you can wake up to the scope of the mission like Peter did. Amen? And if God is connecting Cornelius to Christ... You got to ask, who, who, is, who is my Cornelius? Who is my Cornelius? And, and, is, and is my heart, is my heart beating uh, and burdened to see all people come to, come to know Jesus and experience the, the grace and the forgiveness and the salvation that can only be found in Christ? And so I'm going to look at three things this morning. Uh, is, is we dive into our text and we talk about connecting Cornelius to Christ. And the first thing is this. We see this in verses 17 through 23. We also see it in verses 28 through 29. We'll walk through it this morning. But the first point I want to make is this. We've got to let the gospel tear down barriers. Amen? Let the gospel tear down barriers. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, tear down barriers. Look at your other neighbor say, tear down barriers. We got to let the gospel tear down barriers. Peter, as we look at 17 through 22, Peter comes to from his vision, and the text tells us he's still still perplexed. In the Greek, that just means he was at a loss. Like, still not understanding all the the ramifications of, of God's revelation, but immediately, the Spirit directs him outside to the gate. And one commentator uh, mentioned that in those times, Peter would have descended from the rooftop uh, via an outdoor stairway that really would have put him face to face with these Romans, with these Gentiles at the gate. And interesting, look at verse 20. Though some translations like the ESV that we, we often use say without hesitation, in the Greek it may be closer to without distinction, which obviously becomes significant in light of who is calling out to him. 
So he comes face to face with these, with these Gentile, with these Roman men. And, and, and in verse 22, the men reiterate what we've already come to know about Pius Cornelius. But Luke <coughs> adds, adds to a new element to the revelation. Right? And Peter's, we see that Peter's role in Caesarea is going to be one of proclamation. There's... There's something that they need to hear, and there's, there's something that, that Peter needs to say. Like, what could that be? What a mystery. <laughs> and then you get to verse 23. Now, now church, don't, don't gloss over 23, and especially verse 28 and 29. It, it may not seem like a big deal at a glance, but these are, these are groundbreaking gospel moments in Acts as you look at verse 23, it says, so he invited them in. We'll go back to 22. He said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who's well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house to hear what you have to say. Verse 23, so he invited them in to be his guests. Later in 28 and 29, as he's in Caesarea, he says, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation, but God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when, as I, when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then, why, why have you sent for me? These are, these are groundbreaking gospel moments in Acts. See, in, in Peter's early encounter in verses, verse 22, 23 with the men from Caesarea, he was, yeah, he was showing hospitality to Gentiles, but he did so in Simon the Tanner's house. However, only a few days later, he's going to find himself in Caesarea dining with Gentiles in a, in a house packed out by the friends and family members of the Roman centurion. And, and so check this out, church. Here's what we got to understand. The one who said no, Lord, initially to that vision, the one who said no, Lord, had now come, was now coming to understand that the scope of that vision went beyond food to fellowship. And, and check this out. And once in Caesarea, Peter embraces that the vision went beyond fellowship to freedom from sin through Jesus. Let me, let, me drop a little, let me drop a little application here. Here's the key. From, from food, it wasn't just about the food. From food to fellowship to freedom. But listen, for Peter, it, it took one step of obedience at, at a time. And each act of faith and each act of obedience opens the door for the next. And in the midst of the journey, David Peterson says it like this. Peter becomes aware, verse 28, that he should not call anyone impure or unclean. It's thus in obeying God, taking the, that, that next step of obedience and that next step and that next step, that Peter is prepared to preach to the Gentiles and offer them salvation on the same basis as the Jews, Peterson says, namely through faith in the cru crucified and risen Jesus. And church, here, here's the truth that we've got to grasp. Church, we, we work 
from reconciliation toward reconciliation. Amen? Because I, I feel like we, we want to camp out on one side or, or, or the other. But listen, let, let, me, let, me, let me break that down. Reconciliation is a theological reality rooted in and finished at the cross of Christ. Amen? It's done. But we must appropriate that truth and, and live out its, its implications in our relationships. Amen? Tony Evans says this, in talking about these verses, given the Bible's clear teaching on, on racial equality, since all people come from one source, it doesn't require years of training and seminars to embrace this truth. It simply requires a quick willingness to take God at his word. Evan says this, we must see people as God sees them. We must see people as God sees them, but oh Oh, how often do we love to cling to this vertical reconciliation that we have from God while, while ignoring, while giving ourselves a free pass on the horizontal reconciliation that we're supposed to have with our brother and sister. The problem is, listen, the, the world, church, the world is taking note I read, and maybe you've heard this story, uh, Mahatma Gandhi, I read this week, shared in his autobiography that in his student days in England, Gandhi was deeply touched by reading the Gospels. And he seriously, the story goes, he said that he seriously considered becoming a convert to Christianity, which seemed to offer like a, a very real solution to the caste system that divided the people of India. And so one Sunday, he, Gandhi attended church services and he decided to ask the minister for enlightenment on salvation and on other doctrines. But when Gandhi entered the sanctuary, the ushers refused to give him a seat and they suggested that he go elsewhere to worship with his own people. And he left and he never came back. And, 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 and Gandhi said this, he, th he said to himself, if Christians have caste differences also, I might as well remain a Hindu. If they, if they have a caste system also, I might as well remain a Hindu. If the reconciliation that's been received this way doesn't go this way, is it real? Listen. Did Peter blow it even still? Even after this? Absolutely. <laughs> Later, Paul would call him out in, in Galatians for, for his hypocrisy in, in disassociating himself with the Gentiles when it was potentially costly. But, but let, listen, let's not beat Peter up too bad. Peter died in Rome. Peter died in Rome, the epicenter of Gentile power, crucified upside down because he did not feel worthy to die in the same manner as his Lord. God changed Peter's heart and he came to understand that the gospel breaks down barriers. Amen? 
The gospel breaks down barriers. He came to understand the reality of Ephesians 2, 14 through 15. This says, for he himself, Jesus himself, is our peace, who has made both, of, both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Amen? By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. Second thing this morning, as we look at verses 24 through 27, we're going to connect others to Christ. We've got to look for the person of peace. Look for the person of peace and connect them to Jesus. Amen? I want you to look at your neighbor and say, person of peace. Look at your other neighbor and say, person of peace. <laughs> look for the person. This is a biblical principle. See, later, later uh, in Acts, this, and we're looking at verses 24 through 27. In fact, let me read it. The following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and he called together his relatives and his close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him. He fell down at his feet, and he worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up. I, too, am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in, and he found many persons gathered. See, later... Later in Acts 17, 6, we're going to see that Paul, Paul is accused of turning the world upside down in Thessalonica with the message of the gospel. But in Acts 10, y'all, that's already happening. Like, it's, it's already happening. The, the, the gospel just has this way of flipping the script and really just kind of like cutting through all the noise of whatever culture is saying, whatever history is saying, and it just it cuts through all that. And so check this out. It, and we talked about this a little bit over the last couple of weeks, but in a Jewish town... Named after Caesar, a town occupied by Roman oppressors, a Roman, a Roman commander bows before a fisherman. <laughs> but check this out. If you were in Peter's shoes, like think, think about how you would have responded. See, some of us would be like, yes, that's right. Why don't you go ahead and clean that scuff off my boot, okay? No, seriously. But look at Peter's response. Kent Hughes, Kent Hughes says this, the, the Greek word translated worship, proskuneo, literally means to kiss toward. And it's used for offering homage to uh, deity and angels and sometimes men. And Hughes says this, this leader of the oppressive military occupation force fell at Peter's feet. And Kent Hughes says this was the perfect opportunity for, for Peter to put his old prejudices into high gear. The big fisherman is here, right? You may kiss my ring, Romans. Right? But no, what does he do? Peter had a healthy understanding of who he was and who Jesus was. Peter had a healthy understanding of who he was and who Jesus was. See, it was, it was Peter who in John 13, when, when Je- he, he balked at Jesus stooping to, to wash his dirty, nasty, stinky fisherman feet. And as influential and powerful as Peter was here in Acts 10, he knew that it wasn't about him. It wasn't about him. 
And see, Cornelius, there's a, there's a good chance that his spiritual heritage, kind of from that Greek-Roman culture, would believe that a messenger from God was supposed to have some godlike quality himself. But Peter quickly, quickly sets things straight, and he makes sure that the glory goes to Christ alone and not to him. In mutual, listen, in mutual grace. Let me say that again. Mutual grace prevails as both men come together under one roof. And as Peter, as he, as he, as he looks around the room, he finds himself surrounded by the, the family and the friends of Cornelius. But that day, listen, it, it wasn't just about Cornelius. It, it, y'all, it was so much bigger church family. God had raised up Cornelius as a person of peace. One with integrity and influence over others. One that, a person of peace, one that others listened to, that they they paid attention to. God had divinely orchestrated and guided Peter to a a person of peace who would initiate this, this pretty big gospel ripple effect among the Roman community. And part of me thinks that Peter was kind of like kind of oblivious to this when he walked and asked. He's still asking him like, I'm, uh, I'm sorry, why am I here? <laughs> right? Like, well, I, you, what do I do? Tony Evans says God has sovereignly, God had sovereignly orchestrated events so that Peter had been invited to his own evangelistic crusade with a crowd ready and willing to listen. And he didn't even know it before he showed up. It's, uh, think about it like this. As a, as a fisherman, and Peter, Peter was a fisherman. <laughs> I don't know how many fishermen we have in the place today. This is like a fisherman's dream, right? Like you, like you roll up in like this like glorious like five pounder just like jumps out of the water and is like, I'll get on your hook in just a minute. And you're like rigging your lure up like, okay. <laughs> To, to fish where you can just cast your hook. Norris, you know what I'm talking about. And literally, there are so many fish swimming in the water. Like, you could start catching, catching fish without any, any effort. Like, I, I, I enjoy fishing, uh, but I swear I, I'm like on a United States do not bite list among uh, fish. Uh, Levi, I've mentioned this before, one of our twins, uh, like we can be fishing and he can cast within like five feet of where I've been fishing for 20 minutes, nothing, nothing doing. And within 30 seconds, he's got a fish on the hook. Like I quit, I'm done. Peter, the fisherman, walks into a crowded house of eager listeners And there's no doubt in my mind that he gained a whole new appreciation for Jesus' charge in Matthew 4.19 when Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Fishers of men. But church, I, I want you to notice from the jump, listen. There was a temptation to make it about him. Y'all catch that? Even in following Jesus, like there, was, there was a temptation 
to still make it about him. And what did Peter do? He said, no, verse 26, I'm just a man. I'm just a man. Peter's role was to connect them to Christ. Not, not to boost his own platform. Not, not to receive glory from men. It wasn't, it wasn't about him. And here's the application. Ready, Christian? Here's the application. Pray that God would open your eyes to that person of peace. And, and, and pray that he raises up that opportunity. But when you do find yourself in front of them, make sure you don't make it about you and your glory. Connect them to Christ. Connect them to the word of Christ. Connect them to his glory. Third thing this morning, as we look at verse 33 and 30, 30 through 33. Cornelius said, four days ago about this hour, I was praying in my house. So he's reiterating what happened. I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. He said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard. Your prayer has been heard. Your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who's called Peter. We'll stop right there. Third thing, we're going to connect others to Christ, is we've got to lean on the power of prayer. We've got to lean on the power of prayer. Once you look at your neighbor, say, power of prayer. Look at your other neighbor and say, power of prayer. So verse 30, I was praying. Verse 31, your, your prayer has been heard. Like, I, I don't want to belabor this point this morning, but we cannot ignore the role of prayer in Cornelius' conversion and in the conversion of his household. God, God moved in power, but church family, he moved through prayer. Amen? And so, yes, like God spoke very uniquely through these dual visions to Cornelius and Peter. But, but listen, but for both men, the visions were preceded by prayer. Church, if we're going to connect others to Christ, prayer has got to become a valuable commodity. We've got to, we have got to believe in the power of prayer. We have got to be about the practice of prayer. I read a funny story uh, this week by author J.K. Johnston, uh, and he told a story about a, a small town that had historically been dry. Uh, and then a local businessman decided to, to, to build a, a tavern, a bar. And a group of Christians from the local church, Johnson said, were, they were concerned. They, they planned an all-night prayer meeting to ask God to intervene, right? And it just so happened that shortly thereafter, lightning struck the bar and it burned to the ground. The owner of the bar sued the church, <laughs> claiming that the prayers of the congregation were responsible, but... The church hired a lawyer to argue that they were not responsible. The presiding judge, after his initial review of the case, stated that no matter how this case comes out, one thing is clear. The, the tavern owner believes in prayer, and uh, the Christians do not. <laughs> Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 to pray without ceasing. Far too often, listen, this is important. We are so transactional in how we approach gospel opportunity. 
We are so transactional. It's as if there's only our part and the part of others. Church prayer reminds us that God's part is the most important part. Amen? Yes, He, he works through your obedience But unless, listen, but unless God goes before us, unless God opens up hearts, we will not see the movement of God. And in fact, we can do all sorts of good things in our own strength and fail to see the power and the presence of God manifested. Which is a scary place to be. As you look around the landscape of the American church, you wonder if that's where we are. Christian, ask yourself this. Are you, Christian, are you depending on prayer as your power source for gospel effectiveness, for, for gospel witness, for gospel ministry, for gospel service? And if, if, you're, if you're not, listen, there's a good chance that you're, you're doing quote-unquote Christian things in your own strength, and there's a reason that you're not seeing Christ-like transformation in your own life and in the lives of others around you. But the missing ingredient is, is probably prayer. Let me say this, it is prayer. I'll close with this this morning. And, and, and again, I, I want to bring it together in saying, hey, as you look at verse 22... As you look at verse 33, what is very evident says, we've been directed by an angel, verse 22, to send you to come to his house to hear what you have to say. Verse 33, we're all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Church, we talked about this last week. God, God was setting all of this up. He, he was setting up Peter. He was, he was setting up Cornelius. Specifically though, very specifically, Peter, God had something for Peter to share. Peter was supposed to share something. And, and <laughs> you know how people have different variations of the nightmare scenario uh, of, of being embarrassed in, in, in public. <laughs> For some, it's, it's, the, it's the underwear in public nightmare, right? Or, or, or some other like humiliating situation. It, it, as, a, as a pastor, there, there are these times, these moments where I imagine a, a nightmare situation of stepping up to this pulpit and, and, and not, maybe not having prepared or, or I've lost my notes or, or, or maybe I, I just draw a blank. But here's the thing, when it's all said and done, like there is one message that people need to hear. There is one task of the preacher, of the Bible teacher, and of the disciple maker. And that's this, to proclaim Jesus. Amen? His righteousness. His life. His death. His resurrection. What, like, listen, what other message could God possibly want Peter to proclaim to this crowd but the message of the gospel? And so... 
this is, this is the moment that the American church is sitting in right now. Like this, this is what we're sitting in right now. We are sitting in a, in a graceless, unforgiving, cancel culture filled with vitriol, filled with, filled with anger, filled with self-righteousness all around us. And, and so what will the message of the church be? What will the message of the church be? What does the lost world need to know? What do they need to be reminded of? And what do we need to be reminded of? Romans 3.10 There is none who is righteous. Have we forgotten that? There is none. No one is righteous. Not one. And apart from Christ, we're all hopeless. Like we are, re- all of us, like wrecked by sin. And we all, all need Christ on that cross. Otherwise, the sentence of sin still hangs over us. And we, and we all need Christ resurrected. Otherwise, we have no eternal hope. And no hope of victory over sin. And we, we all need the righteousness of Christ before the Father. Otherwise, listen, when, we, when you stand before God, you, listen, you got nothing. So this, this morning, let me, let me plead with you. Be connected to Christ. Be connected to Jesus Christ. Believe the gospel. Cry out to Jesus and he will save you. Just like he saved Cornelius. Just like he saved Cornelius' entire household, his family, his friends. Believe the gospel. Y'all pray with me this morning.